I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Was it easy to get up this morning? What were you thinking about when you got up this morning? What, if anything, did you look forward to about today when you got up this morning? We ought to, like David, rejoice at the thought of going to the house of the Lord. As the people of God who call themselves Meadowbrook Baptist Church, the thought of gathering together week after week with the people of God to sing praises to the King of kings and Lord of lords ought to be cause for great celebration and rejoicing. Well, today we begin a new series, a two-week series on joyful and thankful worship of God. And we'll be looking at Psalm 100. So I would invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 100. And some of you have noticed that uh, our order of worship for today is slightly different than normal. But don't worry, that doesn't mean that we're ahead of schedule or behind schedule. That simply means that the sermon is twice as long today. I'm kidding. But this morning we will be looking at Psalm 100. And from Psalm 100 we will see that knowing God leads to the joyful worship of God. Knowing God leads to the joyful worship of God. Look with me now at Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are the people. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, this morning we'll be looking specifically at verses 1 to 3 of that psalm. And next week, by God's grace, we'll conclude the psalm with verses 4 and 5. We're going to begin with verses 1 and 2. So look back at verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Aren't you glad that the Bible doesn't say there or elsewhere to, to make a beautiful noise to the Lord? Or to make an on-key noise? noise to the Lord or to make an in-tune noise to the Lord? If it did, some of us would be exempt from the portion of worship that involves singing, would we not? If it did, only those with the gift of musicality would be able to participate in that part of our worship gathering. And thank God for those 
with the gift of musicality that can lead us. But the point of verses 1 and 2 here from Psalm 100 is that the Lord is worthy of exuberant vocal worship. The Lord is worthy of exuberant vocal worship. As already stated, if this said that if the truth here was that the Lord was only worthy of of in-tune worship or on-key worship or right-sounding worship, or etc., then, then many of us would, would not have to participate or not get to participate in that portion of worship. Because some of us, no matter what song we sing, by the second verse of any song, probably by the second line of any song, are off-key and out of tune and, and hitting the wrong note. But the truth of of this passage is that the Lord is worthy of exuberant vocal worship. And we can all participate in that. And I love love the hymn book. I really do. And I, I love singing the hymns. But personally, one thing that I do like about reading words off the screen when we're singing is that because there's no note there, I, I feel like I'm not responsible for singing a particular <laughs> word with the right note. Because if I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to know it. You may know it, but I'm not going to know it. But knowing God leads to the right worship of God. And it doesn't matter if if you can sing well or not, if you can play an instrument or not, you can make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I may not be able to sing very well, but I can shout to the Lord praises to His name. It doesn't matter if you're in the choir or you're in the band or you're on the football team. You can make an exuberant vocal noise to the Lord. And that is what we as the people of God are called to do when we gather together to worship the Lord. Because worship is is not a matter of performance, but it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of responding with obedience to and submission before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And When we do that, we are prepared to make a joyful noise before the only one who is worthy of a joyful noise, King Jesus. And this is not something that that we're called to do just us, as if we have some privileged position or status. But all of the earth is invited to worship the Lord. All the earth is invited to worship the Lord. Look at verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord. Who? All the earth. All people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with fear. His praise foretell. Come ye before Him and rejoice. Those are the words of a Scottish hymn writer based on... This song, Psalm 100. 
Because the Lord God that we gather in the name of this morning and the Lord God that we gather in the name of every Sunday, and not only every Sunday, but any time we gather together with the people of God to worship God, the Lord that we gather in the name of is the God of Birmingham and Chelsea and Pelham and Trustville, of Huntsville and Montgomery, of Los Angeles, of New York City and Miami, and of Tokyo and Nairobi and London. He is the God of the nations. He is the God of all people. And so all are invited to worship Him, to give Him the praise that He is due. And so, as the people of God in this place today, let's let's be committed to to worshiping Him for who He is, joyfully singing praises to His name week after week as we gather together and day after day in our homes as we have an attitude of worship to Him and, and with our lives as we seek to go throughout this city and, and across the world to, to spread His fame to the ends of the earth. And the good news is, is that the God that calls us to worship Him, the God that is worthy of our worship, is also with us when we gather to worship. The Lord God of Scripture is with us. And He is the same Lord Jesus that told His followers in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three gather in My name, I am with them. And there are a few more than two or three gathered in the name of the Lord God here this morning. And He is with us. Us. The almighty maker of heaven and earth is with us every time we gather together to worship him. And it is an awesome thing to be in the presence of God. It is an awesome thing to be in the presence of God. I once heard Ron Sumner's, the previous pastor of this church, say in a sermon that he doesn't use the word awesome very often because he believes that it's an overused word in our society today. And I agree with him. We say all sorts of things are awesome. But it is awesome to be in the presence of the Almighty God. He is here with us. He is among us. And the thought that God is with us, our Creator is with us, ought to evoke a response in us. It ought to evoke awe and praise from us as the people of God who have been called to, to follow Him and to worship Him and called into right relationship with Him. He is with us. It's sort of like being in the presence of someone famous here on earth. Have you ever been in the presence of someone famous? Have you ever met someone famous as a child? I played a lot of tennis, a whole lot of tennis. That was kind of my sport for a while. And played day after day and would travel around and play tournaments. And on a few occasions, I had the privilege of going to the St. Let me say that again. The Kroger St. Jude Professional Tennis Championship in Memphis, Tennessee. And I enjoyed those because I got to see these famous tennis professionals play. And I can remember one year and which I discovered that there was a place in that facility, in the Racket Club of Memphis, that uh, was designated as the Player's Lounge. And so all these professionals would come to this lounge before and after their matches and hang out and 
you know, as a child, I just I realized that, that you could stand near the player's lounge and you would see all these famous people. I can remember seeing one man, Todd Martin, who at the time was one of the top-ranked American men players. And I saw him approaching the exit of the player's lounge. And I thought, this, this is my opportunity. And as he walked toward the exit, I mustered up enough courage to say something to him. And he spoke back to me. And he reached out his hand and he shook my hand. And I thought, this is incredible. Not only did I just meet someone famous, but he even spoke to me. The presence of Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, is with us this morning. And he invites us to speak to him, to talk to him, to sing praises to him, and to hear from him. What an incredible privilege that is for us, that he is with us. And he deserves our praise. He deserves a response of worship. And so we're going to do that now. We're going to respond by lifting our voices in praise to the King, to the one who is worthy of our worship, to the one who is worthy of our praise. And and I want to hear you, Meadowbrook Baptist Church, lift your voices joyfully before the only one who is worthy of our praise and our adoration. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing hymn number 12 about the greatness of God as David comes and takes over and leads us in that. But let's stand and sing together. We've already seen from Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2 that the Lord is worthy of exuberant, joyful, vocal worship. And now in verse 3 we see the basis for that worship. The reason for that worship. We've already said that, that knowing God leads to the worship of God. So what does it look like to know God? Who is God? And that's the question that, that verse 3 attempts to answer. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people, the sheep of his pasture. Fully worshiping God is dependent on knowing God. Fully worshiping God is dependent on knowing God. This whole joyful noise thing is a bit strange if you don't know the God of Scripture. But if you know Him, it makes perfect sense. I've already mentioned that as a child, I, I loved the game of tennis. I also s- spent a couple years as a child with an obsession for NBA basketball. And I, I became so immersed in NBA basketball for a couple years that with particular teams of which I was a fan... I could tell you every player on the team. I could tell you the coach's name. I could tell you who started and what position they played and about how many points you might expect from them in a game. I was an informed fan. Some of you also know that 
I am an Arkansas Razorbacks fan. And some of you that, that know that truth have found particular delight this year. <laughs> and not just beating, but destroying my team. But I'll be honest, I'm not, not near as good or not near as informed of a fan today as I used to be when I was an NBA fan as a child. In fact, I, I can't tell you many of the players' names on the team today. I, I, don't, I don't follow the, the preseason predictions or the rec- recruiting statistics and all those numbers like some might. But that's okay when it comes to sports or a sports team because we're not called to worship a sports team, but we are called to worship God. We are called to to worship the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. And as a result, we ought to be informed worshipers. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, Our worship must be intelligent. We ought to know whom we worship and why. So who is it that we worship? And why do we worship Him? If if knowing God leads to joyful worship of God, then, then for us to joyfully worship God hinges on how well we know God. And so who is God? Who is the God of Scripture? And verse 3 tells us right here, He is the one who made us. God created us. God created us. You're not here by chance. I'm not here by chance. No human to ever exist is here by chance. The human race did not happen by chance. It happened because God created us. None of us are are self-made. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman as if somehow we've done something to deserve or to earn being born where we're born and to do what we do and to accomplish what we accomplish. The very idea, foundationally, is just is bogus. Because none of us have done anything or, or, or existed anywhere without the The sovereign hand of God creating us. It was His good and His perfect and His pleasing plan to create you. He is your creator. He is the one who formed your inmost being. Who fashioned you together in your mother's womb. And all the days ordained for us were written in God's book before one of them came to be, Psalm 139. God created us. He made us. And because He made us, He deserves our worship. He deserves our allegiance. He deserves our praise. But not only did God create us physically, but if you have trusted in Christ, if you know Christ, if you've accepted His free gift of salvation, then He has recreated you spiritually. God has redeemed us. God has redeemed us. That's the point of what's being communicated here in Psalm 100, verse 3. Look back at it. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. 
God had called the people of Israel in the Old Testament times to be his people and he would be their God. And, and they were to follow him and to obey him and to worship him. And as a result, he would lead them, he would guide them, he would bless them. And in an even greater way today, those that know Christ, those that have recognized their sin and trusted in the sacrifice of Christ for salvation, for a restored relationship with God the Father, with the, for a restored relationship with our Creator. Those of us that have done that are not our own. We've been purchased. We've been bought at a price, the price of the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. We are His. Once you were alienated from God, And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Without blemish and free from accusation. Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And one of those good works that we have been created and recreated to do is to praise the only one who is worthy of our praise, the one who created us and the one who redeemed us, and also the one who cares for us. God cares for us. We are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not be in want, Psalm 23, verse 1. And as the shepherd, he tends to and cares for and feeds and protects and provides for his sheep. And this is the same one that that in John chapter 10 told his listeners that he is the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. There is no greater shepherd than the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who has cared for us and loved us in such a way that he has given his life for us so that we might be restored to right relationship with God. 
God is the one who created us and redeemed us and He cares for us. That is the one who is worthy of our praise. That is the one who is worthy of a shout for joy. That is the one who is worthy of a joyful noise. Knowing that God leads to worship of that God. Do you desire to worship that God today? Do you desire to lift your voice with joyful adoration and praise of the God of Scripture, the one who created you and redeemed you and cares for you? If so, then I urge you, based on the Word of God, to do that again in just a few moments as we respond and sing together praises to that good shepherd. And if not, and chances are, a room like this, there are some that have little, if any, desire to joyfully praise that God. And if that is you this morning, then I want to invite you, encourage you to examine your heart before God today. Examine and see if, if maybe you don't desire to worship that God because perhaps you don't know that God. If Scripture is true, and I believe that it is, Knowing God leads to joyful worship of God. And we begin to begin that journey of knowing God by recognizing our dependence on God. By recognizing that He is our Creator and He is our Redeemer if we will accept His free gift of salvation. And He is the one that cares for all people, Christians or not. But let's trust in Him as Savior and as Lord so that He can care for us in a special way as His children. Let's worship the one, the only one, who is worthy of our worship and our praise today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. That your word reveals what you desire for us to know. Lord, we thank you that you have preserved your word so that we might know you and know what it means to, to serve you and to praise you and to respond to you as only you deserve. Lord, we're grateful for salvation in Christ. We're grateful that... Not only you created us, but you did redeem us. You called us as your children. You called us as your people. Not because we deserved it, Lord, but because you saw fit in your divine plan, in your sovereign plan, by your sovereign grace, to save us by your grace. Lord, I pray that we would respond appropriately to that truth. Lord, that that truth would capture our hearts, that it would capture our minds, and that we could not help but to glorify and exalt you. May that take place now, Lord, for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.